I can't have time to introduce everybody that's here today, but if you happen to be my granddaughter, Madeline, then I felt so sorry for the people on live stream that wouldn't be here to get to meet her. So this is Madeline, my one-month, three-year-old little girl. She's here with her mom and dad this weekend. So you go over there and run around. Come get her. <laughs> so for the rest of you... <laughs> For the rest of you who are still here, I want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship assembly. And that is, in all seriousness, the offering that we bring to God. And we are making it possible for you to have four different ways that you can worship God in this way. She was heavy bringing her up here. I'm out of breath. You can mail your, your check to the church address, as many of you do. We appreciate your faithfulness. You can give an automatic draft through your bank. You can also go online to eastsidesprings.com. It's real simple. There's a button there right on the homepage. It says give. Just click on that. Or if you're here in person, you can give in the box that's sitting back there on the table on the way out. If you're not here in person, we are so honored we are so humbled, we are so delighted that you're here with us today. You're just as much a part of this church family, and so it just means the world to us. As a matter of fact, those of you that are live streaming, those of you that are here, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 is Michael, our, our 14er climber, congrats on Pike's Peak, man, shared with us earlier, we're going to be looking this morning at chapters 9 through 13 this morning. Maybe you've noticed we've been spending most all of our, all of our time, actually, in the Gospel of Luke, and it's, Luke's objective is clear, it's, it's calling us to, to follow Jesus Early on in his gospel, he gives us this story to make us aware that on this journey of, uh, of faith that we're walking on, there is a very real enemy, the devil, he calls him in chapter 4. And he's accompanied by a host of demonic forces, the Bible tells us, are strategically and they are methodically at work to destroy our lives, to destroy your life, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your family, to destroy your children, to destroy this church, to destroy our nation, and most of all, to, to destroy the eternal destiny of your soul. This is very real. And so, so Luke early on realizes how the importance of this, and so he stops in chapter 4 on building our faith and calling us to follow Jesus to remind us of this very real enemy, the devil, to remind us and show us of his strategy to work, of working against us, and then secondly, to show us in response to the devil's attacks the example of Jesus in his combative response of what we can do to avoid being caught in his trap. To our own destruction. We've already looked at the first two of the three temptations in this passage, and so we're going to conclude this series. I appreciate your patience. We took a, a two-week break in this series, but we're going to conclude as we once again enter by into the battlefield, and we're going to look at the third temptation only today. And I will begin reading in verse nine. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. 
If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to test, to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So again, as we saw in the first temptation, we see the devil with the words, if you are the son of God, is questioning the identity of Jesus, though it is unquestionable. We talked about that earlier on. And then again, as we saw in the second temptation, we see that the devil is actually in some way leading Jesus somewhere. He is speaking to Jesus. And so we see that though he is this invisible spiritual being, Satan has the ability to interact with us. He has the ability to communicate with us. But his problem up to this point is that Satan has gotten nowhere with Jesus. And so now in this third temptation, he turns to another strategy or a new strategy. You'll notice in the first two temptations that Jesus rebuffed Satan with with the words, it is written. And he quoted from the Old Testament. And so you're going to notice now Satan in verse 10, this third temptation, he is going to be speaking Jesus' language. He says the very words, it is written. He is speaking Jesus' language. This is very cunning. This is very smooth. You want to quote scripture, I can play that game. And so he quotes scripture from the Old Testament, disguising this temptation behind the veil of their Bible. He's actually quoting in verses 10 and 11, a quote from Psalm 91, 11 and 12. This is from the, the Septuagint, which was the contemporary Greek translation of the Old Testament of Jesus' day. And so notice, he knows the Bible, and he knows it well. And if you don't, he will use that against you. With the temptation leading you to conclude, well, this must be right. It must be okay. It's right here in Scripture when it isn't. But you don't know that if you don't know God's Word. And so with this temptation, he attempts to convince Jesus to jump off of the highest point of the temple, which is stupid. It's suicidal. Eusebius, the third century Christian historian, as well as the early church father Clement of Alexandria, tells us it was from this location that Jesus' brother James was more than likely thrown off the temple. This is a 400, the highest point is the southeast point of the temple. This is a 400 foot drop from the top of that area in the temple down into the bottom of the Kidron Valley. But the deception here is that Satan is taking this verse and he's misusing it. And we're going to look at this in, in chapter Psalm 91. He's misusing it in two ways. But you'd have to know this passage to know that. The text quoted in verse 10 of Psalm 91, it actually reads, let's compare Psalm 91 to what we see here in Luke chapter 4 and verse 10. In Psalm 91 it reads, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. But if you're reading along in Luke chapter 4, you notice he left out that phrase, in all your ways. 
When you read Psalm 91, the context of Psalm 91 isn't, hey, jump off a high place, jump off a building, and God will catch you. The point of Psalm 91 is the Lord God is your fortress. That's what it says. He is your refuge in your life, in all your ways. When you're in trouble and peril, God will be there to watch over and to protect you. That's what Psalm 91 is saying. But Satan took that, he twisted it to say, the Bible says just jump off this building and God will catch you. There's something similar, it's kind of silly, it's kind of very stupid, but we see it happening in our day in when Mark chapter 16 and verse 18 where it says there that true followers of Jesus will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. But that passage isn't saying, all right, so let's drink deadly poison and, and handle snakes in our worship services. There are some in my own state of Tennessee who actually do that. The point of that passage is the same in Psalm 91, that in all your ways as you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, Mark 16 is that context there, God will be there with you. God will watch over you. So here we see with this temptation of Jesus that Satan will tempt you to do what is stupid. What is self-destructive. And what he will do is he will take scripture and he will use it to prove it. He will actually misuse it to deceive you into thinking, well, this must be okay. And guys, this is incredibly relevant and happening all around us. If you're looking for a scripture to justify your already established position, if you're looking for a passage in the Bible to validate what you want, to validate your lifestyle, whatever it is, you can find it in the Bible and Satan will be there to help you twisting and proof texting verses to accommodate whatever you want it to say. And we see this in play in Genesis chapters 2 and chapter 3. And I gave this to our life groups to consider, those that are meeting in the summer. It's, it's another story of, of, of Satan tempting someone. This is in the situation of Satan tempting Eve. He doesn't say to Eve, why don't you just drop God? Why don't you just forget about God and what God has to say? He says, okay, okay, let's take a look at what God has to say. God did, did, and he says in, in, in chapter 2 of Genesis, did, did, did God really say you must not eat from the tree? Well, well, yeah, he did. It's right here, chapter 2, Genesis, verse 17, do not eat from the tree. Yes, 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 I know, Eve, that it says that, but is that what it really means? You see, Eve, there's, there's some things you need to understand about what it meant for Eve to be a woman in the Garden of Eden. There's some things you need to understand about the culture of that day. There's some things you need to understand about the word eat and about the word tree. But, but wait. It says, do not eat from the tree. What's there to understand? What, how much clearer can that be? And see, this is happening all around us in our world. It's happening in our nation. It is happening even in churches. You see the, the gymnastics of people taking what is so clearly revealed in Scripture as true. 
as truth. Taking what is so clearly revealed in Scripture as right and wrong and twisting it and reinterpreting to say something completely the opposite to the point that often now you see that which is condemned by God is condoned and now justified in our culture and it's being done with Scripture. But it's not new. Nazis did this using Scripture, the Bible, to justify their actions. The KKK in our nation, they did this, they do this. They're not saying forget God and let's just be despicable. They're using Scripture standing next to the cross to justify their behavior. The horrible treatment of Native Americans here in this country was done behind the banner of God with Scripture. Passages were taken and twisted out of context to justify slavery in our nation by church going slave owners but Eddie you've got to understand these passages on you've got to understand what that's what you get out of those passages that's what terrorists do most of the terrorists aren't let's be bad let's be evil they're standing behind and they're driven by their God and they're validated by their scriptures who's behind all that or is Luke letting us know that Cults in our nation are growing, bringing many converts into their churches, but they're denying the very deity of Jesus and the oneness of God, and they're doing it, not say forget Scripture, they're using Scripture to deny the very foundation of the Christian faith. Do you want to get a divorce for whatever reason? You can find a Scripture on that. We have seen recently extremist groups in our nation and on, on both sides of the political aisle, on both sides of the, of the racial aisle. We have seen them commit despicable, illegal, violent acts of injustice, but it's being condoned and justified with scriptures on mercy and justice. And I wonder if Micah is not just rolling over in his grave at their misrepresentation of what is being done with the, his verse, his comments on mercy and justice and his prophecy in the Old Testament. And I understand that it's controversial. I understand that this is incredibly divisive and I understand that this is incredibly hurtful and I understand that some will be angry at the very comment I'm going to say at this point now what am I going to say many in our nation in our state are using scriptural reasoning to justify the taking of the lives of innocent unborn children how much clearer does thou shalt not kill need to be? Oh, but Eddie, you've got to, I got to what? I know this is tough. 
the clarity of Scripture on sexuality and gender, it has been turned completely upside down to mean something that it was never intended to mean. Many of us, maybe you recognize this, many of us got this political flyer. About three weeks ago, it was placed on all the cars in our parking lot, and Sarah looked on the video footage. We do have video footage, except in the bathrooms, and so if you're going to do something, uh, we're watching you, all right? for your safety, and so to our knowledge, it wasn't somebody we recognized, but it's a political uh, leaflet, and on the front, it was on my windshield, it says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked man rules, the people groan, and then you flip it on the back, and it gives a list of all the candidates they endorse as righteous, well, must be righteous, must be okay, because, I mean, there's just covered up with Scripture right there. Except, when I flip it over and look at some of these individuals, I was reading about this guy. He's a, a, a state representative here in our state, Colorado. And I read an article in the paper thought, no, 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 nobody would do that. That is not true. And I went to his website, and it is true. There's a picture of him and his wife and his little, his child, and he's a family man running on, on a Christian platform. But on his website, he, he was giving himself a middle name. He's got like, I'm not giving you his name, John Doe. And in the middle of the middle name, his middle name is Let's Go Brandon. And he was even pushing to get Let's Go Brandon to be on the, on the uh, primary ballot of our recent voting. Now some of us may not realize this, may not be aware of the history of that phrase, but Let's Go Brandon means F.U. Joe Biden. I'm sorry, that's not very righteous. And to attach this verse on righteousness to that candidate. That's doing what the devil did here. It's a perverted misuse of Scripture. I wrote this guy, and I said, man, do you know what this means? And he does. Do you want your little child to grow up that thinking that whenever you disagree with someone, all you need to do is just say to them, F you. Is that what you want in the name of Christianity? I get not being a fan of someone that's in government leadership. We all get that, don't we? And I believe we should boldly stand up for what we believe is right. But such disrespect actually stands in complete contradiction to what is written if we know our Bibles. And 1 Peter 2.17 tells us to show proper respect to everyone. And in that context, showing proper respect in that day and time, in that culture, was to someone who was incredibly disagreeable, incredibly ungodly, but they were a person in authority. And regardless of their behavior, we are called to a higher degree of dignity and character. Now some of you on the other side of the aisle are saying, you tell them, Eddie. 
But it's, it's, it's on both sides of the aisle. I read and hear among those who consider themselves disciples of Jesus Christ who have spoken very disrespectfully with name-calling and mockery of our former president, Trump. Agree with someone in leadership or not, we're called to be above such ungodly disrespect and to do so behind the banner of Christianity attaching to such speech and behavior scripture that is a perversion that is a misuse of scripture and it is following the playbook of the devil as we see here in Luke chapter 4 this tells me what I'm reading here is very real very real in our culture Satan is alive and well today in our nation in our world in our churches in our families we are living in an age of what I'm calling twisted scripture where God's word is being distorted, misused and perverted, all for the purpose of to lure us and to tempt us to do what is absolutely stupid, to do what is destructive to our lives, to our marriages, to our nation, to divide us, to jump off a building because the Bible says so. So says the devil. This is how he works. So therefore, as we see here in the example of Jesus in this story, church, we must be, we must be equipped. We must be armed with God's word. So well read, so well versed, so knowledgeable in God's word that we're able to easily identify it's misuse. Now, I believe it's significant to notice that with each of the three temptations of Jesus, his combative response was such that he not only quoted Scripture, but he quoted Scripture that was specifically relevant to the particular temptation. It wasn't just some random verse, but it fit the temptation. So as we close, I want to share with you a practical application how we can follow the example of Jesus in a combative response to spiritual warfare. First of all, what is the nature of your temptation that you're facing, that you're being attacked with? Identify that. Identify the way in which the area of temptation that you're facing. And then secondly, find a verse or verses in the Bible that speak about that, that speak against that. Take that verse, take those verses, get out some note cards, write them in a note card or on note cards, put them in your Bible where you'll see them every morning because you really need to be in the Word of God every morning in prayer, should be. And when you open your Bible in the morning, take those note cards out and read those verses again and again every morning to the point you've got those hidden deep inside your heart to the point of memory, and pray every morning, God, would you bring those memories, just like we see in this story, would you bring these verses to my recollection in the heat of the moment? And God, in the heat of the moment, then in that moment, when those verses come to your recollection, and God will do that, you speak them out loud. Church, there I believe this, there is power in the spoken, verbally spoken word of God. So let me give you some examples of how this works. Do you struggle with lust and sexual sin? Many, many do. Arm yourself with Matthew 5, 27. 
You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then, in the heat of temptation, stand your ground. And you say, it is written. And quote that verse. Do you struggle with a temper? Arm yourself with James 1, 19 and 20. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Notice I have that verse memorized. And in the heat of temptation, when you're being tempted to say or do something out of your temper, stop, stand your ground, and say it is written as Jesus did. And quote that verse. Are you tempted to say things with your mouth that you shouldn't say? I would say that all of us are. Arm yourself with Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but what is only helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Notice I have that memorized. And in the heat of the moment, when you're getting ready to say something unkind, something hateful, something ungodly, stop, stand your ground, proclaim it is written, and quote that verse. And I think it'll be very difficult for you to continue saying what you were planning on saying. Are you tempted to hold a grudge against someone and not be forgiving? Arm yourself with Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And then in the heat of temptation, when that grudge is coming on you and those feelings and those words are coming to surface, stop, stand your ground, say it is written, quote that verse. Are you tempted, do you struggle with the temptation to gossip? Arm yourself with Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. And so in that moment, it may be right after church today, when you're tempted to gossip or tempted to listen to gossip, stop, stand your ground, say it is written and quote that verse and see where that conversation goes are you tempted with feelings of a low self-esteem and low self-worth a lot of us battle with that arm yourself with psalm 139 verse 14 it's a beautiful beautiful i only picked one verse i praise you because i am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful speaking of you speaking of me and in those moments when you feel everything but wonderful for when you feel very low very stupid very ugly stop stand your ground and nod your head and say no it is written and quote that verse do you battle with addictions, with drugs or alcohol? Grab the verse in, in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, do not get drunk on wine, but be, which leads to debauchery, which leads to being just absolutely crazy and wild. But rather, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I could go on and on and on and on and on and on with other verses relevant to temptations, but the, the point of it is 
When you do this, when you arm yourself in this way as Jesus did, I think you'll find it very difficult in the heat of the temptation to give in to that temptation when you're speaking out loud a verse that combats it. That's not only my personal experience, it works for me, but it's actually the example that we see here of Jesus and it's a promise that we're given in Scripture in James chapter 4 and verse 7 where we're told, resist the devil and he will flee. Jesus shows you that God's spoken word powerfully repels and resists evil and temptation because it speaks light into darkness. And so as our story closes, that's exactly what we see here in verse verse 13. It says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left. Jesus resisted, the devil fled. Until an opportune time. Jesus defeated him, giving him a crushing blow by two things we've noticed earlier, by the power of the Holy Spirit engaged through prayer, and here by the, by the known and spoken word of God. And so he left, but he's coming back. He did with Jesus. He will with you. Don't let your guard down. Be alert. Be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Be prayerful. Be armed with God's Word. And since prayer is a combative response in spiritual warfare, I just want us to close our time now, not just as a closing ritual, let's pray because that's what you do at the end of a church service. Let's pray because we are desperately in need of the power of God through the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to give us victory over the attacks of Satan. And that happens when God's people fervently pray. And so I want to ask you now to stand. We're going to offer this song to God as, as a, a song of prayer, but our shepherds are here to pray with you. And if you know someone that's in need of prayer or, or if there's someone... Um, that you, that if you're in need of prayer and you need someone to reach out to you and pray with you, I want to encourage you, reach out to one of our shepherds. Are you under spiritual attack? Well, are you living and breathing? We are. Let's go before God in prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.